I think that they think it's just memes. <laughs> Which I understand. Welcome to Talking Simulator, a series of short conversations about video games with interesting people who play them. I'm Jordan Erica Weber, and in this episode, I discuss community management with my guest, Victoria Tran. Hi, I'm Victoria Tran, and I'm the community director at Innersloth, Made the Game Among Us. Victoria has also worked on other indie games like Unpacking, which got its own episode of the podcast when I talked with its creative director, Ren Breyer, as well as Boyfriend Dungeon, Dwarf Fortress and Paparazzi. I wanted to know how the approach to community management changes across games at different stages of development of different sizes and with different tones. But first, as I'm sure many others have done, I asked Victoria to explain what she does in her own words. So how do you explain what you do to people who are unfamiliar with how games are made? It's kind of difficult, but the easiest way that I explain how I work is basically if you hear about the game and if you hear from the studio or from the game itself, that is probably me and I've probably had my hand in it somewhere. Could you maybe give us an example of like a day in your job? Like what are some of the things you might be doing on a day-to-day basis? Totally. So um, I guess to better explain it, usually people talk about marketing as like connecting a message to as many people as possible, kind of irregardless. Uh, what a community manager does is that we basically try to connect people in a way that's useful and beneficial to them. So it's less about like just kind of throwing out a message out there and more being like, how do I make sure that people within our community are connecting with each other or helping each other out so that, you know, you don't actually need to always be there, right? If you have someone posting on a Steam form instead of the developer replying, you have a bunch of really helpful, nice people being like, hey, like, welcome into the community. Here's like the FAQ. Here's how you get started with the game. Do you want like some help learning how to play the game? You know, Final Fantasy kind or 14 kind of has this. It's really mm. nice. Or Fortress kind of has this. So it's it's really kind of cultivating a community space where if someone were to join, they feel welcome and they feel supported and they feel like they matter. So that's kind of what the community manager does. And in terms of like a typical everyday thing, it is a little bit more difficult when I'm talking about the indie space because usually indie studios are quite small. So they uh, need quite a bit of people stretching between different uh, jobs. So a community manager was probably like marketing, PR, that sort of thing. Yeah. So in terms of like a community manager in the indie space, because they take on so many jobs, it's a little bit difficult to define what they do in a single day. But for me personally, so I'll handle social media. So any communications, we get a lot of email requests for interviews, like to answer questions, to be like, hey, sign up for this event, that sort of thing. Or, hey, we want to do a charity stream with your game. Like, is this possible? Can we have this? We work with a lot of partners. So any third party platforms looking for approvals of like, hey, we want to do a little marketing asset with this. Can you do this? Does this sound okay? Can you create uh, some sort of copy for it? And that's what I'm doing. Uh, Then also, of course, like checking up on basically all our community spaces like Discord and making sure everything's okay, making sure our mods are okay. And for Among Us in particular, it's seeing like, hey, how are people playing the game? What things are people being reported for? How can we improve the player 
experience in terms of like reporting people, but also making it just a better place. And because, you know, the bigger the game, the more, you know, sketchy thing people that can uh, pop in. So how do you make that safer? How do you make it better for everyone? Um, and how do you basically cultivate a strategy in which people are really excited for the game, but also taking care of each other? That was a very long answer. <laughs> no, no, that was perfect. I wonder the pandemic kind of shone a light on online communities. Do you feel like that changed kind of the attention that the work that you do and other people like you got? Honestly, I can't really say that, but that's probably because I'm so ingrained in like the industry and community management in general. And that has been something that I've always worked on, which is like Mm -hmm. increasing the visibility of community. To me, it almost feels like how sometimes, you know, like a lot of news media, like more, uh, I guess, public news media will pick up on games and be like, oh my God, I can't believe games are popular. And, you know, everyone in the games (laughs) industry is like, what do you mean? (laughs) It's it's, uh, it's already been popular. A lot of people are playing. It's just that, you know, you just haven't been paying attention necessarily. So I think that's sort of how I feel about community. I'm like, online communities has always been here Mm. and people have been paying attention to it. I think it's just, yeah, maybe it's more people are talking about it. What about within games then? So people who are familiar with the industry, have they started to pay more attention to community management? I think so. I think so. I think it's become the thing where they're like, oh, like it makes sense now to have a community manager. They see kind of why it's so important because so much, uh, so many more people are talking about it. And so now like the struggle to find a community manager has commenced. (laughs) Oh, is it hard to find community managers? Are there not enough of you? Yeah, sort of. I think it's the thing where because a lot of people are a little bit new to community and it's still really relative to marketing, let's say it's still like kind of new and people aren't super sure what is kind of encapsulated by community. A lot of people want experienced community managers which, you know, there's only a limited pool of experienced community managers. So it's it's a little bit of a toss-up of like, got to hire in juniors. But also, I understand that sometimes people are like, I don't know what to look for. I don't know what to hire for. So, How would you say that the role of a community manager has changed as people have got more accustomed to the idea of having one? Yeah, I think before it was mainly relegated in terms of like people are like, yeah, you know, like forums, um, like a little bit of social media management. It was more encapsulated with, I think, marketing and stuff. And it kind of had the role of like, you're very much a side character mm. in the development team, right? You're not being taken super seriously. You're kind of just like, they're like, oh, it's another name for like just doing customer service, which is also a very important role, by the way. Don't know why people like knock on it, but that sort of thing, right? Or it's like just volunteer moderators, that sort of thing. But I think as things have progressed and as people talk about more and as a lot of more games become developed with like, you know, a more community first mindset, it's warped into a more like, oh, like, now we can see like there's like the kind of value proposition of having a community manager so early in and giving feedback on the game and giving feedback on the kind of ways that we're building the game and how community oriented it is and how we can make it more community oriented. And also just giving them like a stronger voice, I think, when it comes to uh, the studio communications. I think at this point, we've seen so many studios, you know, kind of have like an oopsie moment uh, online, <laughs> having someone whose focus and knowledge and know how is based in interactions and knowing kind of the nuances of online communication has been really important. What would you say then is the biggest thing that people misunderstand about your job? 
the biggest thing people get wrong about what you do? I think that they think it's just memes. Which I understand. I mean, the thing is, right, is like a lot of the time, like our most public facing work is social media. And the thing that gets the most attention usually is like, oh my God, look at them posting this meme or like a game launch. Sure. But game launches are a little bit different. Um, like for the day to day, like I think the only thing that people can usually see is the social media. So I think the misconception is like how much work actually is just happening behind the scenes, but also that they think it's really easy and then someone else has to do it or like try to do it consistently every single day. And they're like, suddenly, uh, this is the most <laughs> difficult thing that I've ever done. <laughs> so, yeah. So what skills then and, and traits maybe as well, personality traits, do you think that a community manager needs? I think actually that's kind of one of the most beautiful things about community management is that everyone has like their own spice toward doing things, right? I have my own way of doing things. Someone else has their own way of doing things and none of them are necessarily wrong. Uh, you know, unless maybe, I don't know, you're being like racist or something. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like, you know, everyone has their own way of doing things. Everyone has their own kind of specialties. Uh, but kind of the common thread, I would say, for community managers is obviously good communication skills. And that's both like writing and speaking and speaking online, which is very different because you need to know like the kind of different nuances that comes with that. Mm. That's always kind of the most important thing, I think, which is just the communication, but also honestly, like the values, because people are so used to interacting online and people are so quick to call people out when they sense, you know, like some form of like, you're not being honest with us, or uh, I think you're like lying between your teeth or something, or like the mm -hmm. studio is just trying to take all of our money with this like game that costs $5 or whatever <laughs> that I think having like just good, a good set of values and also just a good set of communication skills is really important. I could go on like a full list, but that might take <laughs> way too long. <laughs> so let's talk about it this way then. What is it about you that makes you suited to this kind of work? I don't know why that question makes me blush. I'm like, you mean I have to talk about my <laughs> skills? Oh no. Um... I think so. I actually kind of wrote about this once about how I think I actually learned a lot of my community management skills from uh, interacting with my parents when I was growing up because they don't speak a lot of English. And I had to basically be their like translator uh, when we were younger. And I was like in elementary school, like reading government documents and being like, ah, God, uh, <laughs> and trying to like uh, tell them, like, hey, this is like what they're asking for, this is what they're doing, and like understanding kind of the cultural nuance nuances between like, hey, like they want this, but I have to say it to my parents in a very certain way and they're going to react in a very certain way and I have to be prepared for that and do the, like the whole like dance, right? Uh, so I think for me, the thing that makes me uniquely suited to it or that I find the skill that has worked for me is really just kind of the patience and understanding of realizing, oh, okay, like there are so many different ways and there are so many uh, different people and the ways that they relate to each other. And I want to be like that kind of go in between person and probably just being trained at a very young age to do that. I think it makes me like a little bit uniquely suited for it, though. Obviously, there are other immigrant children out there, I'm sure that have the same experience. Yeah. And also, I think a sense of humor works. I don't take things too, too seriously. Thank goodness. I think I would go, I would go a little bit wild if I, if I did. I'm interested in this kind of child of an immigrant experience. And I wonder, given how global game communities are now, do you feel like that helps you think globally in a way that some other people might not? 
Yeah, for sure. Especially again, when it comes to online communication, when you get, sometimes you will get like messages and you're like, this looks so strange or this is put so rudely or something. And you know, there's not, that's not to say necessarily that's an excuse to be rude to someone, but that with a global community, you have very different cultural nuances and ways of talking like I know sometimes people can sound really direct like Americans quotation or whatever can sound really direct to some cultures and that's really rude like if I were to refer to my family without honorifics that would be extremely rude and be like what are you doing so yeah I think just having that kind of understanding or at least that willingness to understand is really important in any job honestly what is it that motivated you to get into this line of work so it's a little bit complicated because I I didn't grow up being like, I want to be a community manager. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's very much a job that I just like quotation mark fell into as much as I hate that phrasing. <laughs> but for me, again, it was it was that one with my parents, but also I grew up like playing a bunch of online games because I didn't grow up with consoles. I missed out on like all the classics that people talk about, like on PlayStation and Xbox and Nintendo and all that. Oh, I guess I had a... Not a Game Boy. Anyways, but otherwise, like the way that I did play games was a lot of free MMOs. Like that was how I really got into games. And that's how I really found, I think, my place in terms of gaming culture that I played so many MMOs. And because I played so many, I made so many friends. And I was like, I don't understand how like people are talking more about this. Like I have friends who claim that, you know, they're in like various places around the world. I mean, I was always 16 female California. I have never lived in California. So, <laughs> but even if it was a lie, even if my location were a lie and my age were a lie, it was like, it's still like these people were people that I really considered friends. Mm. And I think just that kind of connection and I, the fascination of like, oh, like the, the people you can meet and the people you can talk to really like drove me towards community management. So let's talk about how you approach your work then, because your website says that you create practical, sustainable and kinder communities. And I want to kind of break those down one by one, if that's okay with you. Totally. So what makes a community practical? Like, what does that mean in this context? Yeah. So for me, practical is basically that you can do it. (laughs) Like, as in, it's not something where like I have like lofty ideals and like you have to do this and you have to aim for this. I'm like, no, I want it so that like if you're a community manager in the studio or maybe a AAA, I wouldn't know, honestly, I haven't really worked in AAA on admittedly, <laughs> that it's something that these are like steps that you can reproduce or that it's not inattainable and it's not like something where it's like, oh my God, like you're going to burn out mm. in five minutes <laughs> the minute you do it. Uh, I think that's really important to me. This is kind of a leading question because I already know the answer, but what is it about the games industry that makes you concerned about burnout? <laughs> it's, just, it's just a feeling. Just, you know, I haven't read stories, heard accounts. Uh, the industry doesn't have a, uh, you know, history of burning its people out or whatever but especially i think in community management again one of the reasons it's really rare to find an experienced community manager is that like usually after a few years or after like the five-year mark a lot of them switch to producer roles to marketing Mm. roles to pr roles and those might be a little bit similar but it's very much like 
anything kind of like directly working with the community, people just burn out from. And we have like community manager discords and we have community manager group chats where this is like a constant topic of like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Like this is tiring and I hate it and I'm hating myself and I'm hating like my work. So that's why I talk about it. And obviously like the industry itself has problems with burnout as you can probably uh, just easily Google, honestly. (laughs) Is it just burnout that makes community managers want to move into different uh, roles? Or do you think that there's an element of maybe lack of respect or lack of progression going on there as well? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure there's multiple things in it, right? I'm sure there's also community managers who are like, I really love producing and I would just love to go into it. I'm like, that's fine too. But yeah, I will say it's like one of the things is that community management isn't paid very well. Why would you stay in community management if you could go into marketing or you could go into production, which do pay better historically, usually. Mm -hmm. And also just the lack of support. I think that I see a lot of studios give again, because either they don't know what community managers are doing exactly, or they don't really see the value proposition in it. It's a little bit easy to just kind of throw them to the side or be like, Oh my God, like we hired you to talk to these people. Why are you burning out? Like, isn't that your job? That sort of thing. So I can see a lot of different ways in which people move out of community management. So what can we do to avoid burning out our community managers then? What can the community managers themselves do? And what can the people around them do? Yeah. I mean, for community managers, I think part of it is, I think similar to how a lot of the games industry burn themselves out when, you know, your hobby is your work and your work is your hobby. And it's also your passion and it's something you've always wanted to do. And oh my God, aren't you so lucky to be working in this game industry, which yes, we are as well, but it's still a job. It's still something that you need to separate yourself from and find different ways in which you don't define yourself purely by your work or purely by your hobby of games, which is now also your work. (laughs) So that's very important. Um, For me, I just try to find things outside of games that I don't define myself by. I have friends who don't even care about games and that's really helpful to me. But I think, again, it's something for... It's a personal thing that everyone kind of has to discover for themselves. I think more structurally and more like outside of the community manager, it's, yeah, having like a support system. I know like a lot of people talk about like having like, you know, a therapist, but as in like the studio helping to pay for a therapist for everyone in the studio, not just the community manager, but having that kind of support system, um, having management that cares and compensates you fairly because it's one thing to be like, good job. And it's another thing to actually be paid for your good job. And also just taking their suggestions and things more seriously. Like I think a lot of community managers are left out of the table in terms of like when games are being developed. And when we're talking about uh, making community first games or marketing first games, that's pretty important, I think, to have their input. And just, yeah, I think putting in the research to understand maybe a position that you don't really know about because Mm. understanding helps create that respect and helps create that support. And once again, I think because so many games are contextual uh, and so many situations are contextual, it's really hard to just blanket be like, you should just do this. And then your community manager will be completely okay. (laughs) (laughs) When it comes to making a community sustainable, what are the risks that you have to mitigate there? So the reason I say sustainable is because like, again, like this also kind of touches on pawn burnout. So practical and stimulus a little bit touched there. But I think the risk when it comes to sustainable is that I understand 
that I can talk whatever I want about like positivity and kindness, which I'm sure we'll dive into and all my ideals. But in the end, making games as much as it is an art and whatnot, it is also a business and it needs to make money. And your community manager does need to somehow contribute to the bottom line of you making enough money that you can make your next game or at least survive and not go under mm-hmm. unless you want to, in which case I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> so I think part of the risk of being, making it sustainable is that I have to understand that sometimes not everything I say is not everything I do is possible. And I need to make sure that when I'm talking about community management, when I'm talking about the things that I can see the value in it, that I can see, Oh, this is how one it is values oriented. So it, is aligned with me hopefully being trying to do the most good that I can in the world or helping or trying to say that community managers can do a lot of good, but also that from a business sense, it works that, you know, you are creating advocates for your game and that you are creating community that wants to stay on and that will hopefully support you for the next game and are the kind of like organic word of mouth marketing that so many people love. That's I think kind of the risk. Now, this is kind of the million dollar question, I guess, but how do you encourage a video game community to be kinder? Uh, Yes, that is the million dollar question. And I can't even say that I figured it out, right? Mm. Which is nice. Among Us is sort of my little guinea pig. (laughs) (laughs) It's a quite large guinea pig, I would say. It is. But I think that's important because in the previous studios I worked in, they were smaller. And it was actually, it was easier, kind of, Mm. I think, to have like a heavier hand because it was smaller. But when it's bigger, it's a whole different ballgame. But for me... Kindness in communities is something that isn't like solved necessarily. Is it not as in like we can't do it, but that it's an ongoing thing. I don't think you can be like, all right, we did it. Our community is kind now. Um, I think it's a continual thing. It's a continual process. You're always working on it. You're always trying to be better. You're always looking for ways to improve. And for me, the ways that I found it to be the most successful, the most useful is one being really transparent as a studio about like where you stand on things, right? Like we, I wrote an entire code of conduct, which was honestly a lot of fun for <laughs> inner sloth and like how people should play our game. And, you know, maybe people don't read it, but the fact that it's there and the fact that it's open and readable, I think is really important. Also just like kind of the values on which where we stand and being like, Hey, this is what we're trying to do. And again, this is a little bit easier for an indie studio rather than like, you know, a giant conglomeration, but that's one of the benefits of being in an indie studio. And then other things include basically being the role model that you want to see within the community and knowing that whatever you say, whatever you do, uh, the community latches onto that. And they're like, they'll justify behaviors based on what they've seen off of you and any kind of deviation from that. That's like, oh, you're a hypocrite or whatever. Mm-hmm. And really encouraging, I think, not like not basically trying to control every single aspect of your community. Yes, you want to be the role model, but I think the ways in which I've seen the healthiest communities is when you have offshoots of your own community, right? People are like, I really love Among Us. I'm going to make my own little Discord community of my friends and like invite people in. Uh, and that's kind of how it grows. And the way that, you know, you 
help influence that is again through your values and through your code of conduct and through the even the design of your game right like the way we do player support the way we do um reporting the way we do like hack reporting like anything i think it really translates and trickles down in, in terms of like hey this is how the developers want people to play the game this is how the developers really feel about their game and in order to play the game you kind of have to honor and respect that kind of like you can't cheat or else you'll probably be banned. And that's a pretty clear sign to people. Oh, I shouldn't be doing that. Some people try to still do it, but that's a whole other. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen you talk before about responding to a lot of messages and tweets and things from from people who play the game. And I wonder how much of that is about reinforcing and rewarding the behavior you want to see in the community. Yeah, totally. I think that's part of it too, right? It's being like, oh, I understand that. It's not always just about punishment, but it's also about... having fun with the community and yeah part i mean part of it is just i enjoy doing it because it's really funny but the other part is that i want to be excited with the community i want to reward whatever things that i see that i'm like this is really awesome and amazing and if i can take some time out of my day to like talk about that because you've put in the work then yeah why not (laughs) i guess people like attention right so i wonder if it's also just like people who play among us and who look at the twitter know that the way to get the attention of the person who runs the account which is the thing they all want is to exhibit certain kinds of behavior over others like is that a part of it like they go you know if i do this i'm not going to get any attention but if i do this then i will so i definitely agree i think it's that that's why i partially do that it's like it's that i want people to know it's like hey if you act like this like if a happens b happens if you do c then d happens all that kind of thing but i think i've kind of understood it less as people want attention but more that they want to know that they matter in some way mm. um and those are very similar especially online it's a little bit similar right like it's more attention right you know the more whatever but i think it's it's really that i've seen that they don't just want to have the acknowledgement but they want to be like oh this person has seen me this person has paid attention to whatever it is i've been doing uh not in a creepy sense <laughs> but <laughs> like it's one thing if i were to respond to every single like thing with like the same thing being like all the same fan art with cool 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 um and it's another thing to be like i love the way that you did this i love the shading in this or i saw on your profile like i sometimes do i'll hover over someone's profile see that they're like a teacher or something and be and comment and do like something that kind of indicates I know that they're a teacher and that kind of personalization that kind of like attention to detail and being like hey I know this is probably like a one-off tweet but you matter and like I very much try to pay attention like to who you are is something that really connects with people. How do you personally measure your own performance at work? Like, how do you know that you're doing a good job? Do you have particular goals and you kind of tick them off and you're like, yeah, I'm doing great? Uh, Well, sometimes I get imposter syndrome. Like, oh my God, I'm doing nothing of value. (laughs) But for me, it's... Yeah, I mean, we have, so we like do task management via ClickUp. So there's that. That's how I know I'm doing goal. And there's the actual like analytics I can track, right? Like our follower numbers increasing, how our player like numbers, how many player support requests are we getting? We have like all those numbers. So I can track, I do track a little bit from that. But I think 
the most important thing for me is obviously it's you want a mix of qualitative and quantitative things. Mm. You can have a bunch of tweets coming in and be like, my numbers are looking great. And then like, I don't know, more than half of them are negative. Mm. That's a whole other thing. For me, the kind of success metrics comes from peeking into places without necessarily having a hand in them. So I'll like check up on the Reddit and see how it's going. I barely post on the Reddit. How's it going there? Sometimes just dropping into a random game and being like, how are people <laughs> interacting here? That's really important to me. And that's not something necessary that, you know, you can like scale and measure too well. Mm. But I think having that kind of grounded expectation in reality is really important. Um, and kind of seeing like, oh, like here's the ways it's falling short and here's the ways that it's doing pretty well. But usually, generally, like the numbers can help reflect like this is how you're doing and this is how well things are going or how not well things are going. And also your own task management and also seeing I sometimes write down, here's what I did this week. Here's kind of the value add of that. And then you kind of go along with it. What's the most important thing that you think you've learned in your time working in community management? Actually, what I said about it's not necessarily about the attention, but that people really want to matter in some way. I think that has helped me get through to a lot of people and been very useful in many different situations. So outside of work as well? Yeah. Who doesn't like that? <laughs> like feeling like they matter. Right? Or like having like a certain detail be paid attention to. I think those are things that help you regardless of whether it's your job or just your personal life. Okay, so let's talk a bit more about the specifics of how community management changes across different games, because you kind of alluded to that earlier. Mm -hmm. So the games you've worked on, for instance, how has the approach differed across those? So for example, uh, when I was working at KitFox, because we were, we were an indie studio that focused on first player narrative games. So with that, it was somehow being able to promote the game and really sustain interest in it mm. without spoilers. So I couldn't reveal anything. <laughs> and really talking to the community about like different things or really talking about sometimes something completely different in order to kind of sustain engagement and all that kind of stuff. But also that I think, again, when it is a smaller community, you kind of get to know people a little bit more. You get to know more people more deeply. Mm. Uh, and that was really important. That was really important in terms of like creating advocates and creating people who really believed in the studio. Right. And not, not by tricking them, obviously, <laughs> but by being like, Hey, this is what we're all about. And them um, being like, I like that and kind of attaching to it. Mm -hmm. uh, and then when it came to among us, it was like, okay, now the problem is scale. The problem is there is no way I can talk to 800k members of our Discord all at once. That's impossible. So now the problem is, okay, how do I connect with as many people as possible and get the message out in a way that will hopefully land with the majority of our community and make sense, but not have that one-to-one -one interaction with them necessarily, um, even though I might want it. So yeah, it, it really changes. And also, again, Among Us is a game that is live ops, right? So it's going to be continually updated. So we have more things to talk about. And that's a little bit more exciting. But then it becomes like the problem of impatience. And like, it's the next update. When's the next update? Hey, I've already hit this. When's the next update? Many, many different examples I could get into. How about how community managers should adapt their approach, depending on the kind of tone of the game? 
because not just size, right? Because Boyfriend Dungeon and Among Us have quite different tones to them. So how do you reflect that in your approach? Yeah. So part of the way that I actually adapt to tone is figuring out one, of course, like the game's themes, values and all that, but also knowing the studio culture. For me, it's knowing like how does the CEO talk on Twitter? Mm. What do they value? What do they talk about? What do they not talk about? And then also seeing like, okay, like what are those studio values versus the other studio's values? And are there any inherent values to the games that we want to bring out, right? So maybe for Boyfriend Dungeon, you talk about romance way more. For Among Us, you talk more about like the kind of inherent value of communicating with each other and trusting each other. Those are the ways that the tones change, but also obviously like the humor that comes along with it. With it, Among Us, you, you're like, okay, so if the themes are this, like backstabbing, then you can be a little bit more backstabby, I guess, a little more snarky with your replies, perhaps, or a little more like, ooh, am I telling the truth or am I lying? Versus with like something like Porphin Dungeon, which does kind of come with, well, one, a more thirsty uh, <laughs> tone to it. So you can be a little more thirsty, you can be a little more open about that. But also like, clearly it has a lot of values rooted in love and relationships and that sort of thing. So adapting your tone to fit that. And that would go with like any kind of different game. Like when Kid Fox was working on the Shrouded Isle and that was more about cults and sacrifice and darker tones. Kind of understanding the tone of the game and understanding the studio. Do you ever feel like there's quite a strong contrast between the values that you're trying to promote, you know, kindness and the content of the game that you're currently working on? You know, you would think so, but weirdly not. (laughs) I think it does maybe attract people with a certain mindset in terms of like, I'm here to play a game about murder. (laughs) However, anyone can understand that like a game, especially when it's a multiplayer game, it's like everyone wants to be able to play the game well. Mm. They want to be able to do it without someone coming in and trying to like disrupt in a way that's upsetting to the lobby or to the people playing so the tone of like kindness i think still sticks there and even when you have like a darker themed game when you have a game about cults when you have a game about i don't know more murder and more cults (laughs) (laughs) that still fits because when you have like the dark theme like it's a little bit like a role play it's like you want people who play along and who don't create situations in which it becomes an actual thing that upsets people. Mm. I don't think people are usually genuinely trying to upset people. There are trolls, there are people who may do it for fun, but the vast majority of people are like, I want to buy into whatever it is that you're setting up in terms of the tone, in terms of the community, because I want to have a good time. I don't want to constantly be stressed. I don't want people constantly yelling at me. (laughs) So I think the kindness thing works. It just... I think a lot of people think of kindness as like warm, fluffy, flowers everywhere and rainbows and love and whatever. And it's sort of it's sort of bad, but it's also just like being like, hey, just caring about the space you're in and the people you're interacting with. What is the most challenging part of your job? Hmm. Uh, it's difficult so many challenges Uh, (laughs) my current biggest challenge is just figuring out how to do this at scale Mm. Um, obviously this is very different from previous things but so many things I think 
get exacerbated by scale. It's harder to have those connections, as I said, at scale. Um, it's harder to enforce kind of the values that you want at scale. It's harder to figure out if you can do like as good of a job issuing bans at scale. Mm. I think that's the biggest thing for me. And also just kind of like the mental toll of doing things at scale. It's like, if I post something to our 1.4 million followers on Twitter who have notifications on for whenever I tweet. So even if I delete it, they're going to have that notification. I got to make sure that, you know, everything's okay. And at any point, if I do something wrong, uh, something's going to happen. So I think kind of just like that stress of a lot of attention on me or the studio itself is a lot. And I think that a lot of community managers have that, right? The pressure of kind of being your studio's voice mm. and knowing you could mess up. Mm. Spooky. <laughs> so what's the most fulfilling part then? Mm, definitely, again, it's going to sound very cheesy, but just the community. And that's kind of the whole point of the job, right? It's being able to connect with the community. And as much as like, for example, like Among Us has done a lot of cool things. It was really cool that AOC played our game. It was really cool that we had a collaboration with Arcane and with Scream and all these other things. But nothing hits quite like just a simple email from like a parent or a child who's like, hey, um, I, I don't want to like bother you, but I just want you to know that uh, your game uh, connected me and my family over the pandemic. And now we're like closer than ever. And uh, we still like really love and play your game. Or like, even if we don't play your game anymore, like it meant so much to us that we could become closer and that I didn't think that this could happen. Like, I didn't think that we would become so close or like teachers playing it with their students and getting along with them or just friends playing it. Oh, that warms our heart. That That is... So, so fulfilling in so many ways and in ways that I can't describe. <laughs> you can see some of Victoria's work at the Among Us Twitter account at Among Us Game and follow Victoria herself at The V Tran. I'm at Jerrica Weber and the podcast is at Talking Simpod. This is the final episode of season three of the podcast. We will return, so feel free to send your suggestions for future guests, games, and topics to talkingsimulatorpod at gmail.com. Of course, if you'd like to give us a little extra motivation to start working on the next season, you could say something nice over on Apple Podcasts. Just open the app, find the show page, scroll down, and click on Write a Review. Our music is by Jazz Mickle. You can find her at J-A-Z-Z-M-I-C-K-L-E. Talking Simulator is mixed by Lemmington's loveliest audio person, Dan Parks. If you need to make something sound good, you can find him at Dan C-P-A-R-K-E-S. I'm Jordan Erica Weber. Talk again soon. Perfect. Was that a train? This is a cement truck. <laughs>
Yeah, we might need that again then. <laughs> yeah, we can do that again. I was like, oh, I hear it. I was like, okay, okay, okay.